0: Son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's a haunting question. So it seems throughout the pages of history. Every paragraph written has the drops of blood drawn by the tyrant's sword on it. That each page has been creased by the abuse of one group of people against another. That the human heart has learned nothing but that we gravitate towards warfare, strife, and contention with one another. And I suspect that even if we were to visit a galaxy far, far away, there'd be resistance fighters against the First Order. I bring that up just so that you know I am culturally relevant. But it's a fact. All of human history is filled with strife. And it's filled with that kind of contention. The Bible tells us that this will go on. There will be wars. There will be rumors of wars. One generation thinks that fascism is the problem. If we could just defeat the Nazis and the fascists, then everything would be fine and the communists rise. And if only we could end the Cold War, then everything would be fine. And then uh, terrorism rises. And haven't you found yourself thinking, if only we could defeat the terrorists, then everything would be fine. I'm telling you this, if we were to defeat the terrorists, it will be somebody else from somewhere else doing the same thing. Because the human heart is still exceedingly wicked and deceitful above all things, and sin still courses through the air that we breathe. War, rumors of war, constant war. And it's been going on throughout the pages of history. But on one of those pages, you will read about a group of shepherds who had gone to work that day, not expecting anything different, thinking that, as they got up and started their day under the domination of Rome, they would end their day under the domination of Rome. Nothing would change. Nothing would be altered. The stress and the, and the oppression would just continue and go on and on and on. And they went to work that day and they did their shepherd stuff with their sheep. And then it came about that at night they were abiding in a field, keeping watch over their flock by night, one of them said, "Did you see that? See what? No, look, lo, no. the angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they did what any reasonable human being would do. They were sore afraid. I mean, they, 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 this is this is the." perfect response to the presence of god see you think that if god would just come to your life and speak to you directly and make himself known just just so manifestly that it was undeniable and his word was given to you and here 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 and here you think oh that'd be great i'd just go do it no if you came into the presence of god like that you would be convicted of your sin and you would fall on your knees but the angel said don't be afraid don't be afraid Because this day, history is being rewritten. You know the tyrants? They don't get the last word. You know the oppressors? They don't get to set the agenda. You know those who are saying it's okay that some suffer so that others might have their pleasure? They're done. Those who would tell you that life is all about getting the upper hand and you don't care who suffers as a result of that? That's out. There's a new day coming. Because this day, a Savior is born into you. It's Christ the Lord, the Messiah, the one you've been waiting for all these years. You thought it was just something preachers talked about on Sunday. Well, I want you to know it's something that God has been doing since the very foundation of the world. And that day has come. And he's born. And look, you're going to know it because when you get to Bethlehem, you're going to see a little baby. He's going to be wrapped in swaddling clothes. Star Wars swaddling clothes. <laughs> no spoilers, but you know, got your attention. And when you see him, you'll know that the Savior's born. And suddenly, the whole sky was filled with a choir of angels. And they were singing, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill to men. I know they sang it that way because in heaven we'll be singing the King James. <laughs> Look, they, they didn't just go to the hymnal and say, what do you want to sing? I don't know. Let's see. No, we sang that one last time. You know, what do you, you know, let's sing. No, they were singing what heaven is all about they were reflecting what they have always done glory to God in the highest and glory to God for the way he's working among men to bring peace to the earth and it's all coming about in the lives of men with whom he is well pleased and that moment history changed and it has never been the same again Now, the shepherds went back to their sheep. Life sort of continued as before. The boss was still on their case. The kids still wouldn't mind. They were still having trouble making ends meet and paying all the bills. It, it, you know, it's not like suddenly it was, it was uh, all, you know, ease and, and, and simple, just roll through life. It, it, life still had all those, those problems going on in it. But in the back of their mind, there was that message of the angels. angels you know, there's just more to this. this. This life you're living, it's not about the problems and it's not about the turmoil. It's not about the anxiety. It's about the glory of God in this little baby who's brought peace to the world. And when the earliest believers came to know Jesus Christ and they came together to worship, one of the things they celebrated was that they had peace with God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that's how we get to this, this scripture in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Uh, let, let me remind you how we got there. Hold the shepherds in your head. Don't let go of them. Whoop, there one. Okay. But hang on to the shepherds. But in Colossians 3.15, you know how we got there. In case you've been sleeping for these last several months, we are talking about how to have clarity in a murky world, how to zero in on what really matters, and it is Jesus Christ. All right? So we're zeroing in on what really matters to have clarity. And so in chapter 1, we learned about Jesus Christ who is the... Image of the invisible God. This means the only way to know God is through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through him. Those are the kinds of things we're talking about. He's the image of the invisible God. And so if you want to know God and know about God, know who God is, any knowledge you're going to have about God comes through Jesus Christ. The Father has revealed himself through the Son. So he is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. And that means that he is the point, the purpose, the reason, the goal of all creation. Everything that exists around you exists for Jesus Christ. You get up this morning, you say, why am I here and why is all this stuff here? It's for the glory of God in Jesus Christ. Amen. He's the firstborn of all creation. And so everything around us is to be brought before him and, and surrendered to him as Lord, to the sovereignty of God in Christ. And so He is the firstborn of all creation. And Jesus is the head of the body of the church. He's the reason we're here. The church isn't here just to propagate itself. The church isn't about self-propagation. We're not meeting here just so we can raise enough money to keep the building open and the lights on. We are meeting here so that Jesus Christ might be honored and worshiped and adored. The reason we exist is so that he would be exalted among the nations. The reason we gather together is so that his name would be made manifest around the world and that uh, through the missionary endeavor of the church, others might come to know him and love him and worship him and adore him. That's why we're here. He's the head of the body of the church. Now, that will give you a lot of clarity, by the way. So Paul says in chapter 1, he says, just understand who Jesus is. He is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. He's head of the body of the church. And then in chapter 2, he says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, as you have received this Jesus, this magnificent, supreme Jesus, as you have received him, so walk ye in him. So live like that. Now let it live out in your life. Not held philosoph- to the uh, captive to the philosophy of the world, but rather living out who Jesus Christ is in your life as Lord. And so, in chapter three, he says, "Therefore, set your mind, your heart, your your affections on things above, where." Christ is, seated at the right hand of the Father. Don't think of earthly things. Think of heavenly things. And therefore, put off the vices and put on these things that we've been talking about for the last uh, couple of months or so. And, and so put on that, that compassionate heart and, and put on that, that humility and put on that meekness and put on that patience and the forbearance and the forgiveness. And above all those things, put on the love. And so all of this, our lives are gaining clarity because of who Jesus Christ is as we focus in on him. So that's where we've been. And that's the Run up to get into Colossians three fifteen, where he says, "And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts." Now that word "rule" um, means to be an umpire, be an umpire in your heart. If you you ever um, watch a ball game and they have a review of a play, or something, I've read about this that it happens, and uh, and and the, uh, the the guy gets up there. He says, after further review, the ruling on the field, stands, reverse, convert, but the ruling on the field, that's the word here. The ruling. Let the peace of Christ be the umpire in your life that rules on what you do and what you don't do. Let the peace of Christ be the umpire that sets the agenda and tells you what's out of bounds and what is appropriate to do at any given moment moment. Now, that, that's just true in personal relationships. I mean, have you ever thought about the number of times you've been at odds and with, with somebody else, and, and um, uh, they're, they're a very nice person, but you are driving them up the wall, and uh, you are saying things that irritate them, and, and uh, you're doing just little things that that are just making it hard for them to love you and things like that. And, and let the peace of Christ rule. That means that... Uh, uh, if um, uh, you, you, you get the attitude of well, this is who I am, and that's just tough if you don't like it, that's not the peace of Christ. The peace of Christ is that we are loving and forbearing and considerate of one another, and, and you know, and, and uh, I'm, I'm going to try to um, to um, to love you in a way that you can understand those kinds of things. Some, if, if there's somebody in your life who's, who's uh, irritating you, you know, let the peace of Christ rule, not I'm going to get even. Don't let that rule. Not uh, uh, I'm going I'm to give them a piece of my mind. I'm going to ream them out. I'm going to tell them what's what. Don't let those things rule, but let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. So that's, that's what Paul is talking about, saying because of that clarity, uh, within the body of Christ and then in your larger system of relationships with others, let the peace of Christ rule. Now, how do you do that? How does that happen? Now, I want for us to go back to the shepherds on the hillside again. You go back to them and they're listening to this chorus, and the angels are saying, Glory to God in the highest. Could almost say, so that peace on earth among men with whom he is well pleased. That's probably a better translation. But glory to God in the highest. Now, the angels didn't didn't get up and they started singing and said, well, you know, guys, it's going to be a savior. And so hooray for God. No, glory to God in the highest. You know, we're going to sing this anthem that we've sung from all eternity, from the moment that we first beheld the Father upon his throne. Glory to God in the highest. You see, this is why you were created. And this is why the world was created. This is why everything around you was created. For the glory of God. That's why it's the most practical thing these angels could have sung at that moment. Because the most practical thing you can do with your life in any situation is to live for the glory of God. To live for uh, in, in such a way that the Father is honored and magnified and exalted and lifted up. Glory to God in the highest. This is why you were created. This is why the world was created. And that's why when we live outside of the glory of God, everything starts to fall apart. Now, sometimes it falls apart because it's other people's fault. That's my experience most of the time. (laughs) But sometimes the reason things begin to fall apart in your life is because you take your eyes off the glory of God and what do you start to think of? The glory of self the glory of who I am, the glory of what's going on in my life. Uh, Our first parents, when they were in the Garden of Eden, and um, uh, God had said, look, I want you to refrain from eating from the tree of of good and uh, knowledge of good and evil. And uh, Eve said, well, you know, that, that the glory of God's commandments is not as good as the glory of my opinion. And she substituted her will and her wisdom and her opinion for the glory of God. And the whole thing started to fall apart from there. They decided, well, the glory of God's presence isn't as good as the glory of my being in charge. See, so whenever we substitute something for the glory of God, things begin to fall apart. Even those, you know, those folks who come around and they're saying, Glory to God while I kill you. You know who I'm talking about. You know, but glory to God while, while I'm going to inflict myself on you. And glory to God while I kill innocent people. Glory to God. They're not talking about the glory of God. They're talking about the glory of their religion. And God was never interested in our religion. He's never been interested in in the ways that we want to manipulate things for our own advantage, either with God or with others. And so we are created for the glory of God. And when we live apart from that glory, that's when things begin to break apart. So if you want to know peace in your heart, if you want to know the peace of God in Christ, you begin by living for the glory of God, the absolute majesty of God. Now, one of the ways you do that, you start to worship I'm not talking, you know, we gather together to worship together, but you'll worship all day long, and you glorify him all day long, and you just see the evidence of his majesty everywhere around you. So you want to, the first step to knowing peace, then, is to just decide, the glory of God is more important than what I think and what I'm going through. You see, the, the world will still attack us. If you're, if you're aligned with the glory of God, the world will come after you. I mean, look at the disciples of Jesus. I mean, they were persecuted, they were put to death, they were imprisoned, they were, they were beaten, they were stoned, they were whipped and scourged. All these things come their way. You, you know that in the life of the believer come all the, the, the same frailties and the same problems that come to, to, to other people. You know, death and, and um, uh, you know, grief and sorrow and those kinds of things. All that comes, but the glory of God lifts our vision upward. To look beyond and to know that we will work through it by the grace of God. So, attach your life to the glory of God, first of all. So, the angel said, you know, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, notice that, it's in the highest, glory to God. On earth, peace. In the highest, glory to God. That's why we're created. By the way, let, let, let me just add, this is what you will do for all eternity you will glorify the Father. I think in heaven we'll know one another, we'll converse one another, but our conversations will go like this. Do you see how great God is? Yeah, let me tell you what he did in my life while I was on earth. Really? Let me tell you what he did on earth. Let, let's hear that testimony, what he did. on Let's give him glory. Let's give him honor and praise and, and just talk about his majesty for all eternity. Look, you know. That's why you you can sort of get a a handle on how much you're in tune with the glory of God by how much you want to worship Him now. Okay, so, but it said, and and glory to God in the highest, but then peace on earth. Now, uh, to get a a handle on what that might mean, turn with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Uh, In many ways, this is a chapter about dealing with anxiety, if you will, um, well, let me give you verse 1. It's not where I want to wind up, but this, this will get you into it. Uh, Jesus, this is in the upper room. This is the night before uh, the, the crucifixion, the night in which Jesus was betrayed. Um, and so the, the disciples are experiencing a, a lot of anxiety about this. Jesus has said, I'm going to be crucified. What? He says, yes, I'm going to be crucified. No, no, yes, I'm going to be crucified. And where I'm going, you cannot come. What do you mean we can't come? Show us the Father. And and they're they're going on and on. They're they're just sort of getting really sort of uh, anxious about what's about to happen. And and by the way, the next three days are going to be real anxiety-filled days. Um, And so Jesus says to them, still in the upper room, chapter 14, verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. Uh, That word for troubled... um, um, it's the word tarasso. Um It's uh, a word that means to agitate. You know, so you, you have a pool of water and you put your hand in it and you just swish it around. That's, that's agitation. Did I lose you on that one? I couldn't possibly have left you on that one. <laughs> Okay, but that's agitation. So he said, don't let your heart be agitated. Don't, don't let it just be kicked around and swished around by the events of life. Let not your heart be troubled. Why? Because you believe in God. Believe in me. He says, don't let your heart be troubled because you got to know that God is a little bit bigger than the agitator. And I'm bigger than the agitator. You have faith and trust in God. Have faith and trust in me. So let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me. My Father's house and many mansions, many rooms. If it weren't so, I would have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. All right. And so that's, that's the first comforting word Jesus gives him. He says, look, I, it, there's a plan here, and I'm working through it. And it, it all winds up with you being with me in the glory of the courts of heaven. All right. But I want for us to skip down to verse 25. Verse 25, John chapter 14. These things I've spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the okay, um, folks, Trinity alert. All right, put up your Trinity antenna. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. I mean, it's an amazing thing why we ignore the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's because we can sort of visualize Jesus. You know, we have, we have some sort of picture in our mind of Jesus walking in, in you know, in the robes and the, the staff, maybe in the sandals. And, and we can sort of visualize what it would mean for Jesus to sit and to teach. And, and so we can sort of put together a picture of that in our mind. But understand that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. And Jesus said, the Father is sending you the Holy Spirit in my name. This is the gift to every believer. I mean, it begins in the opening day of the life of the church. Peter stood up to preach. You remember this? You remember it, Dave. Okay. But the Holy Spirit had come upon the church, and they began to proclaim the gospel in other languages. And the Scripture says everybody in Jerusalem heard the gospel in their own language. And so everybody got together and says, what's going on here? So you, so you have this manifestation of the Holy Spirit, and everybody gathers together, and they try to explain it. And some of the folks say, well, these men are drunk. And Peter stands up, and he has one of the great opening lines of all sermons. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. Okay, so the question is, why, why are these people doing this? And, and essentially the question is, what's this Holy Spirit thing going on? And, and, and Peter says, well, let me tell you how it works. God sent his son, Jesus, and you killed him, but God raised him. Now repent and believe and when you do you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the, the Pentecost sermon if you read about this in, in the second chapter of Acts, the Pentecost sermon ends where it begins with the gift of the Holy Spirit. The very first sermon preached calling people to faith in Christ ends with and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I will send or, or the Father will send the Holy Spirit in my name. I just about had a filioque moment there. Those of you who understood that, uh, good. Um, But he says, he will send him in my name. And so this is the gift to every believer is the Holy Spirit. He says, and when he gets here, here's what happens. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. The the, the Holy Spirit is going to get you through this. The Holy Spirit is going to remind you of what you need to be reminded of and, and tell you what you need to hear. And He's going to give you the, the leadership and the guidance to respond as, you're going to, as you need to respond. The Holy Spirit is going to get, get you through this. So understand, all this turmoil and anxiety that's about to come your way, guys, understand the Father sending the Holy Spirit in my name so that you can get through this. And if you want peace in your life, rely upon the Holy Spirit. See, why would you trust yourself if God is going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit? to rely on and to trust. Now, Jesus says, and here's what happens after that, okay? So he says, I've told you these things, but the Father will send the Holy Spirit in my name. He'll remind you of all this stuff. And so on that basis, Jesus says in verse 27, peace I leave with you. He says, peace I leave with you. Now, this is more than just amen, peace, you know. When Jesus says, I leave you peace, he leaves Peace. This isn't just Yoda speaking. More of my cultural relevance. But, uh, you know, Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm creating a peace within you that the world cannot touch. Not as the world gives. The world will give you a kind of peace. It'll tell you you can have peace by having more money. Won't happen. The world says you can have more peace if you just, uh, you know, have better health. That won't guarantee it. You can have more peace if more people like you. That won't guarantee it. You can have more peace if you have more power and influence. That won't guarantee it. Jesus says, not as the world gives peace, this transitory, illusory, illusory kind of peace. He says, when I give you peace, it's the real thing. Now, when the Bible uses the word peace, it, um, it doesn't mean just the cessation of warfare or the lack of, of conflict. When the Bible talks about peace, it is talking about what the Hebrews called shalom, and that has to do with a, a relationship with God that is the way it ought to be. Uh, the The word maturity comes, it comes to mind here. Uh, it's, it's a kind of relationship that is, that is fulfilling the will of God in which God is working and accomplishing his purposes. And when that's going on, that's the peace that the Bible is talking about. So Jesus says, I give you this kind of peace. I'm giving you this peace. Not as the world Gives, do I give to you? Uh, let not your hearts be troubled. This is still verse 27. Let not your hearts be troubled. You see how the whole chapter is bracketed under that phrase. Let not your hearts be troubled. Goes on and talks to, talk to him. Winds up by saying, and the Holy Spirit will come, and therefore I give you peace. Let not your hearts be troub- troubled, neither let them be timid is the word. This isn't the typical Greek word for, be- oh, for, for fear. Um, this is a different word, and it means to be timid, you know, just hesitant, you know, afraid to, to, to step out, afraid to do. He says, no, be bold. Step out in your life. You know, seize the promises of God. So when the angel said, peace on earth, it is through this Messiah child who is born. And so the peace that the angels were talking about and the peace that, that Paul is talking about, this peace of Christ, uh, the peace with God that is in Christ, that peace comes to us when we are relying upon the Holy Spirit that is given to us when we come to Jesus Christ by faith. So It has to do with reliance upon the Holy Spirit. So then the angels say, all right, glory to God in the highest, all right, latch onto the glory of God, Peace on earth, this peace that is coming through this Christ child, so rely upon the Holy Spirit that is given through faith in Christ. Two men among men of God's good pleasure. You know, um, in the original King James, you know, uh, goodwill towards men. It is God's goodwill. It, it, that phrase never meant that, oh, well, we, we get a bunch of good fellows together and they clap each other on the back and, oh, well, we're men of good will. Well, God must love us. No, it is God's good pleasure given to us. And there's another word for that, and that's the word grace. That is the grace of God. And it is grace because it is poured into our lives simply because of the mercy of God. And it's appropriated by faith, by trusting him. You see, when we sin against God, we introduce the brokenness and the warfare and the anxiety. The whole universe is polluted by it. Uh, the Bible says that, it, that the whole universe, the whole of creation is groaning, waiting for the day when Christ returns and the children of God are revealed just waiting for that day when all of creation is is restored to what God intended it to be. There's a new heaven, a new earth. Um, But until that day, our sin has introduced all this conflict into the world, and it just surrounds us. It's, It's a part of our environment. But when we come to Christ by faith, we have peace, shalom, with God. We are restored into that relationship that God always intended for us to have. And so we appropriate that grace by faith. Now, here's, here's how that works. Let me illustrate that from uh, uh, the book of Romans. I know I'm asking you to flip pages, but you'll survive. If that creates conflict with you... No. Okay. But in Romans chapter 5, Paul writes this. Therefore... Therefore, since we have been justified by faith we have peace with God. Because of justification by faith, we have peace with God. I am so thankful this morning of what's not in that verse. Therefore, having learned a mantra that I could chant over and over again a thousand times a day until I obliterate my mind, I have peace with God. Not I have climbed to the highest peaks of the Himalayas and found some guy sitting there and asked him the meaning of life, do I have peace with God? Not that I have a prayer wheel that I spin ad nauseum, not that I have bells that I ring, not that I have candles that I have lit, not that I have works that I have done, not that I have books that I have memorized and I just recite it like so much gibberish, but because of faith in the grace of God, I am justified. And because of that, we have peace with God. But uh, let, let, let's keep reading in, in uh, Romans 5. Therefore, since we have just been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You see it all coming together? Gets even better. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. We have peace. Sufferings, yes, but we have peace with God. And because we have peace with God, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that sufferings produce endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Another Trinity alert. Okay, So that... That grace of God, the good pleasure of God, is given to us, and we receive it by faith. And a lot of the stress you feel in life and a lot of the contention that you experience in life, you'll be able to cope with it in the peace of Christ when you come to understand we live by faith, not by our works, not by our sight, not by our understanding, but by our faith, relying upon the grace of God. So now in Colossians, when Paul says, when Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, um, peace of Christ, um, that's a generative construction. That means the peace that is shaped by Christ, that is founded in Christ, that is directed by Christ. That peace that has every aspect of what it is determined by who Jesus Christ is. That's what we mean when we say peace of Christ. Okay, so he says, Let the peace of Christ rule, be the umpire in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And if you come to understand that, then the last phrase of the verse becomes second nature, and be thankful and be thankful so glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill toward men so that we know the peace of Christ by latching on to the glory of God by relying upon the Holy Spirit and trusting in the grace of God to lead us guide us shape us and empower us And then the peace of Christ rules in your heart. Let's bow for prayer. Gracious Father, thank you for attending to the smallest details of our lives, of leaving no aspect, no venue, no relationship out of your plan and your will for us, of including everything that comes our way under the umbrella of your sovereignty. Father, I pray that we would have the courage of faith to trust you, to live for your glory. Father, let your Holy Spirit move hearts today and this morning to bring that courage to place faith in Christ, to walk in the peace of Christ. Father, I ask this in Jesus' name for your glory. Amen.